The Old Testament reading is from Ezekiel chapter 34, beginning with verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall, they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law, without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but, the, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, 
Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost, until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or that woman having ten silver coins. If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today in Luke chapter 15, uh, we have two of the three wonderful, beloved parables of Jesus about the lost. The first of the three is the lost sheep. The second, the lost coin. And those are both in our reading today. And then the third, which isn't included in today's reading, is the parable of the lost son, or lost sons. I just want to take a minute to reflect on the whole set of three first before we dive down into the lost sheep and the lost coin. There's a few things to notice about the set of three. And first is that there is a progression of joy that happens. First, the joy is in heaven. Then it is joy before the angels of God. And then in the parable of the lost son or sons, 
It's the joy of the Father himself. And then by extension to that, the joy of the whole household. And second, there is a progression of the fraction of what is lost. First it's one in a hundred, then it's one in ten, and then it's one in two, or is it really two of two? And in that we see that Jesus is leading us into the realization that we all, in our own way, are lost, and we carry a certain lostness in ourselves, apart from Jesus. And the whole point of these set of parables is that Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and scribes who grumbled and complained that he would eat with tax collectors and sinners. He was teaching them to reflect and discover their own unique lostness that they carried inside them. Now, ordinarily, when we think of being lost, we think of orientation, direction, place. You know, you're driving on the road and you get lost, or you're hiking out in the woods, you get lost. But once you get your bearings again, once you're back in the right place, you're not lost anymore. But this spiritual lostness in the parables is more a matter of heart, and we might even say brokenness, than it is of location. And it's particularly aimed at the Pharisees and the scribes who were so critical of Jesus' association with sinners. They were blind to the lostness, the lostness that is a part of our heart and our sinful nature, part and parcel of our sin. From the first sin of Adam and Eve until now, the condition of all humanity has been lost, and that lostness is something we carry around with us. It's not a matter of location, but of orientation away from God in his heart, his actions and desires. Paul's trustworthy words that we heard just read speak for us all. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. Pharisees and scribes complain that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. But that complaint reveals a heart that's out of alignment with God's heart. To share the Father's joy, we need not only his heart and compassion for the lost, but to rejoice whenever a lost sinner returns in repentance to the Lord, just as God, the angels, and all heaven does. Jesus' first question. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not go, leave the 99 in the wilderness, and go in the open country and search until he finds that one that is lost. And then he asks again, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she does not lose one, does not light her lamp and sweep diligently until she finds it? Both questions tell you the same thing. God does the looking. Whether or not you would be the one to go out and do the looking, God is the one who does the looking. Jesus looks for us everywhere. His heart is oriented to search for the lost, every last precious one. There's not a sheep from his fold. There's not a coin in his purse. There's not a child in his family. That is not worth him dropping everything, going out into the wilderness, hunting all over to find it, 
sweeping through the dirt floor to find it, traveling through the cities to find them. There's not a lost child who'd turn away. God is after you because you are so precious to him to recover until he finds it. He won't give up. He's not bitter. He's not resentful. He's not discouraged when the search runs long. He's determined until he finds it. And what a winsome picture of Jesus' love, not only for the Pharisees to develop the heart of God, but for us to develop the heart of God. And also on the other side, for all the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, the notorious sinners that Jesus associated with, to see that God's love for the lost embraced them as well. To have a heart after God's own heart is to learn his love for the lost. In a book on gospel-focused parenting, Paul Tripp reflects on lostness in children. And we can take the same lesson to us as adults. And listen to the way he describes lostness. There is no greater danger in their lives than the danger they are to themselves. Why? Because they are lost. And being lost, they carry around inside them something that pulls them away from the love and care that God intended them to have. The care and protection God designed for them, but they want to live more independently from him than we were ever designed to do. That means parenting is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day rescue mission. It means that as parents, we need to daily remind ourselves, I need this reminder myself, that when we are called to rescue our children again and again, we should not resent those moments when rescue is necessary. You know what I said again about spiritual lostness? It's not about direction and orientation or place, but it's inside of us. We were made for God's good care and protection, but we have this orientation. We're always steering away from God's care and protection. We have a craving to live more independently than we were ever designed to live. A sheep that is lost loses care and protection meant for their well-being. Sin does that to us. We do it to ourselves, whether we realize we are lost or not. And that lostness hurts ourselves and it hurts others. It's our heart condition. We carry it around inside us. Tax collectors and sinners lost from the way of God. They were lost because they were after greed, dishonesty. They didn't trust in God to do their job faithfully and just work and be honest. Their sinful actions did hurt others. But the Pharisees, they were lost from God because their hearts were not in tune with his grace. They were striking discordant notes of legalism, of self-righteousness, judgment, grumbling. They were hurting others through their sinful attitudes. They would have kept Jesus away from those sinners who most needed his care, his protection, and healing. They saw no value in those sinners. They were blind to their own sin and lostness. So all three of these set of parables, they grow in a crescendo 
until those Pharisees had to have been punched with the awareness that they too were lost. So do you identify more with the Pharisees or with the tax collectors and sinners or the parable? Either way, our lostness is again not by location but by hearts and deeds out of alignment with God's heart. In other words, lost or found is not whether or not you're in the building. It's not whether you know the Bible backwards or forwards. It's not even a matter of going so far in the opposite direction from God that you can never come back. Rather, it's a matter of where our heart is before God. God is seeking you. And God wants you right there beside him. He wants you where he can heal and protect and care for you as you were designed and meant for in his fold. It is good and right to gather to Jesus. So how does God deal with sinners? Paul Tripp goes on to say that Jesus' stories powerfully show and teach us that what the lost need the most is not criticism, judgment, condemnation, or punishment. The Pharisees probably wanted Jesus to hammer those sinners. But instead, every lost person needs deliverance. Tax collector or Pharisee, outward sinner or inward hypocrite, Jesus is after every lost one of us to deliver us. The lost need compassion, understanding, patience, acceptance, forgiveness, and grace. Jesus' compassion, his patience, and forgiveness enabled him to reach a whole category of people that the Pharisees had completely overlooked and written off. And we can do the same today as we approach others with the compassion and the love of Jesus Christ. The parable of the sheep ends with Jesus saying there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now that gets right to the heart of what I'm talking about. Is Jesus saying the standard religious crowd, maybe us as Christians, that we don't need repentance? Nothing of the sort. You've already done so today, and you know we do it every week. If we say we have no sin, we... <coughs> Deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So Lord, show us the lostness in our hearts. Turn us away from hurtful sin. Turn us back toward you. Open our hearts with compassion for the lost, whatever their circumstances. You know, a person might seem pretty happy, carefree in their lost condition. They might not even be aware of it. We can be like little sheep venturing out from the fold. There's some new excitement in exploring that freedom, but we don't know about the dangers ahead. Other people who are lost may not be apparently happy and carefree. They may be so beaten down, so hopeless, that they are utterly helpless like that trapped sheep or that lost coin. It has no power to get itself back to its owner. But that is why Jesus invites us, he invites you on his rescue mission.
so that we don't miss out on the heavenly party, on the heavenly joy that comes when even one lost sinner returns home and is found by the Lord. And what more enduring picture of compassion, love, and rescue is there than Jesus finding the sheep and laying it on his shoulders? Don't you want to rest on the shoulders of Jesus? Him carrying you delightfully home to where you are going to receive the care and protection you need? Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. He calls friends and neighbors to share in his joy. We were dead and lost in trespasses and sins. He searched. He found every lost one of us. And he carries us home to heaven on strong and able shoulders rejoicing. Jesus rejoices for you. The lost. Every precious one. Every precious rescue mission he goes out on and brings the gospel, the good news, to a lost sinner. Could be a homeless veteran lost in a world that doesn't understand them, a world of loneliness and disillusion. Could be a lost woman, a young woman in a crisis pregnancy. It could be a hard-hearted Christian who has forgotten God's first love and grace toward them but only sees the faults of others. Or it might be a devout follower of some false god who simply doesn't know God's care and God's grace. Whoever and however they are lost, God is after them. He's after us until he finds us. He isn't giving up. He's searching everywhere. And when he finds us, it's not to bring us to condemnation, but the forgiveness of our sins. To the welcome embrace of his loving arms to usher us into the joy of his community because he wants us home with him home with the care and protection we were meant for. All of us, lost and redeemed sinners. Here we are, at our Redeemer, bought back, purchased by the love of our Savior. And here we gather in his name. We are found not by our location, but because God found us, because he joyfully made us what we are, a beloved child, a brother, a son, a daughter, a mother, a man or a woman after God's own heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.